Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards never agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about the spooky Christmas movie, Rare Exports. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. First, my co-host and comic book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Y'all, does this movie end with the child protagonist becoming a human trafficker? Uh, spoilers i know non-spoiler so, section but does this end with a child becoming a human trafficker that is a spoiler that you could not possibly shit. understand without having seen the movie <laughs> like does it mm, but yeah it's it's real weird how it, it gets doesn't there. it doesn't not end that way uh next Fuck. up next up my frequent collaborator comics artist and certified vampire aficionado emily martin how are you tonight emily I'm confused. This is the proper reaction to this movie, I think. This movie is either being forgettable or being completely goddamn bonkers. I will say this. This is very much in line with the Scandinavian brand of like single dads crying alone on a Christmas night, (laughs) looking stoically out the window. This tough dad trying his best. I'm into it. Hell yeah. I saw, I love Logan. I'm into tough dads who don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and our special guest tonight, comic book writer, Christmas enthusiast, and one half of the Apocrypels and Friends Till the End podcast, Benito Serino. Welcome, Benito. Hello. Welcome. Thank you for having me on your show to talk about a weird Santa Claus movie, uh, the ideal topic for me to talk about. Excellent. Yes, and this is um, a very weird being. Santa Claus movie. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure... Like I'm sitting here in in this uh, you know metaphorical room, uh, trying to gauge how deep into Christmas lore y'all are prepared to get, because uh, I'm sure you have questions about this movie that probably I can answer. I would uh, love that. That would be wonderful. Also, yeah. I love how we're now on week two of what I suppose is Old Man Penis Month. <laughs> Uh, man, you got to live every month like it's all man penis. <laughs> For real. Now, the casting director in this film, ups to them, because this film has probably uh, beaten a world record for the number of naked, gnarly old men wandering around with their dongs out in the snow. Yeah, this is this is capping off my scary movie month in which I had to just start referring to Shudder as the... Uh, the erect penis uh, movie system, like they just they just deliver erect penises directly to you. Uh, and, <laughs> I was not wait. MVP of this movie is the casting director who is able to just round up this horde of old men who are like, yeah, I'll just finish old men willing to just go buck ass naked through the snow. And these are not the same kind of dongs as in Suspiria. These are like stretched these are gnarled tree root dongs of gnarled tree root men this is not the analysis i was prepared for on this movie i yeah well that's the thing it's like it's a qualitative analysis we're covering the important topics first i'm talking about christmas lore 
Tree roots are important. <laughs> yeah. So oh, tannin bomb. If if the standard if the standard SI unit of um, old man penis is a lemon party, how many lemon parties would you say are contained in this movie? I'd say upwards of three hundred. I don't I don't know. It seems like a, a veritable bushel. Yeah, I, I, a bushel of lemon parties. There maybe is a, a there there is a, a, a question of... in my mind at some point and a particular scene in this movie whether. Uh, somebody has contracted Weta to just come in and add a whole bunch of naked old men into the scene. I'm, I don't I'm know if that was Weta. Whether... That was not I'm... quite Weta quality. <laughs> I'm unsure <laughs> how many how many it's real fun. naked old men there are, or was it whether somebody was tasked with creating a whole bunch of uh, artificial naked old men to run through this. It's state. amazing what you can do with CGI these days. Yeah, it was it was definitely the non-union Finnish equivalent of of Weta. Yeah. Anyways. I think that the company was actually called Fake Graphics, which I think is a good name. Does what it says on the tin, I guess. Yeah, for real. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and this, so a little bit about this movie. It is written and directed by Jomari Hilliander, and it stars Oni Tumila and Jorma Tumila, who are an actual father and son, uh, or the main father and son in this movie. Um, And to, to just give the quick IMDb of what it's about, uh, in the depths of, sorry, I'm going to have a lot of problems with pronunciations. Corvatantori. Corvatantori Mountains, 486 meters deep, lies the closest ever guarded secret of Christmas. The time has come to dig it up. This Christmas, everyone will believe in Santa Claus. For some reason. We never know why this like small man with glasses, this like impish little dude, wants to dig up santa claus his dream man yeah uh, i yeah, guess money i'm not i'm not sure yeah. i do want to ask it, it, for the sake of people listening would we uh, would we qualify this as being spoopy as in uh not scary spooky as in a little scary terrifying as in very scary or just generally existentially disconcerting again it's entirely dependent on how scary you personally find just the general concept of naked old men <laughs> I'm going to go with spooky just for like the fact that, yeah, just the idea of these naked Scandinavian men (laughs) running through the woods in the snow, like what they had to deal with. And also they they were pretty cool. Like they had a cool aesthetic going on. Um, That's kind of like how, like, that's my retirement plan. But um, you're just going to kidnap Finnish children in the snow. I mean, I don't know. Again, like, it's as good as anything else America's going to offer you. Get it? Yeah. Like, I, I just want to get super I'm gnarly. not knocking it. I don't want, I want to look like a tree root too. And I want to walk around in the woods and with like a fucking pickaxe and shit and just like be. I'm, I'm personally hoping for the, the vivid retirement plan. Um, the, uh, the, the human trafficking part of this movie was the most existentially disconcerting. And also the fact that it happens like in scandinavian winter which is it's own... also a it's a child it's it's i know the movie thinks it's making like a cool call back to earlier but it's also a small child going hey how much money you think we can get for this human being it's well are they it's, are they human though like that's that is that is part a of very the, difficult question they are yeah. not they are not presented as if they are truly human they're uh, sentient of... but not sentient but not sapient maybe at, at some point the movie suggests a possible santa hive mind yeah 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 um 
I would again, say I would say probably spooky. It, it does feel a bit spooky at moments. There is like a a feeling that this movie is going to get genuinely scary at some point, and it kind of doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it it is never really cresting scary. It goes from being a little spooky to kind of wild in the last like half an hour. Um, yeah, there's there's very I, little very little on screen violence. There's like one on screen death and a couple of off screen ones. And did it feel like this movie went from Act One to Act Three with like no Act Two? Sure. I mean, honestly, I was down with the whole situation. Like, I. It was so thoroughly, I don't know, like I see a lot of Scandinavian stuff. And so, and like Scandinavian stuff goes in, has two modes, just like every Scandinavian dude I've ever known, two modes, stoic and drunk. Like those are the two modes. <laughs> and so. This podcast does not endorse Emily's. We here at Progressively Horrified do not endorse the stereotyping of Nordic men. Nordic men have the have the rich emotional lives you do or don't want (laughs) you do you Nordic men yeah I I, Um, so I mean not all Nordic men before we dive too much into the the Nordic men of this movie uh there's they are very Nordic uh yeah I mean there is there is some gore there's animal death in fact the goriest this movie gets is they just really want us to see this man like butcher a pig um there's the questionable human trafficking, and there are uh, there are lots of naked men in this movie. If that's not something you want to see, uh, man, it sure is there. Uh, yeah, the again, treatment of naked old I, men, I think, is a is a might it be a is human trafficking question mark. But this is also is a movie where the final shot is someone who has every outward appearance of a normal old human person just being literally boxed into a shipping container. So. I think the shipping again. Can- this ending is fucking bonkers. Yeah, I feel like this had to have been like an onion news video where it's like we now tune into where mall Santas come from, and they're like, "What if we showed <laughs> the weird ass movie that like, and we play it totally straight that got us to that sketch, that five minute YouTube sketch?" So, uh, so you're actually closer than you think. I don't know if you guys know this movie is actually the feature version of two uh, short films that the director. Um, made before this and the, hmm. the first one is basically five it's it's a five minute ad for this company rare exports inc that ships father christmases around the world and so and then the second one is an instructional safety video that some of that joke gets repeated like don't smoke don't drink don't cuss in front of the father christmas or else he'll kill you Bite your ear um yeah and um so yeah, in I, a sense the feature is kind of it's a feature leak prequel to the short films in, well, in a way because I totally get, because I feel like that'd be a really, that's a really fun premise and in a like Parks and Rec or what we do in the shadows kind of thing. Yeah. But it also kind of starts from like, hey, we have to start. We are easing you into this premise. Like there is a level of absurdity that must be accepted just as the cost of entry to the start this story. And this movie just plays it completely, like Batman begins level straight. We are giving you the real origin of this Santa company. Yeah. And it's, and yeah, it's I'm like glad you everything the Arthur or Robin Hood movie since 2000. They're like, this is the real story. This is yeah. how it really went down. Like I said, um, stoic and drunk. Yeah. And I, the I, I'm glad you brought up the rules of Christmas because I really, 
I thought that was going to be a much bigger part of the movie. Like, I thought I was expecting that to be like the rules of the movie. And we would, there would be, you know, your traditional horror movie sequence of people dying. And we would see them be explicitly like, we would get the rules really laid out and we would see people breaking the rules and there would be that connection and knowledge of Santa saving the day. But then that really didn't come up and it was mostly dynamite that saved the day, <laughs> which again, logical, logical. I mean, explosives do usually solve problems or cause problems, whichever. The number of one-liners in this movie is fantastic. These fins really bring it. Um, from being just like, you know, you got I knew we were for a very special like... child protagonist when Pietari's just str- striding through the woods in like red sweater, blue tidy whities brown cowboy boots, just being like, fucking yeah, what a what a luck. Bold decisions all on Pietari. And also, okay, well, let's, we should get into the film because yeah, I have so, a lot of things. Yeah, <laughs> I do want to, as we transition into the film here, uh, Benito, you had mentioned that you uh, are familiar with a lot of the lore behind this. I feel like uh, this movie more or less opens with like an almost look at the lore. A lot of uh, peeps at, at, you know, fairy tales and stuff like that. Um, why don't we we talk a little bit about like the origins of where this this idea of Santa Claus and all of this comes from? Sure. Um, so one of the things that I think helps to understand the context of this movie is that even though in the English translation it's Santa Claus, it's in the original it's Yulupuki, who is kind of Santa Claus, but kind of not. Um, and he has become increasingly Santa-esque um, in the 20, since the 20th century to the point where now he just looks like Santa Claus, usually with a really, like really long beard. Um, mm-hmm. But, th- but uh, the word Yulupuki actually means uh, Yule goat or Christmas goat. And um, the Yule goat was a um, figure in uh, lots of Scandinavian uh, Christmas lore um, different versions over time, um, whether it's an invisible goat spirit that's watching you and making sure that you're properly preparing for Christmas, um, or they used to do what was called uh, Yule bucking, Yule bucking, which was literally, it was kind of like trick-or-treating or caroling or wassailing. You go around from door to door and someone's dressed like a goat uh, and they demand food, basically. And um, if you don't give them food, they'll wreck your house. Uh, and that kind of stuff. So for for quite some time, the Yule Goat was a scary figure, similar to um, what is portrayed in the book that Pietari is looking at at the beginning. Um, as far as I can tell, the, the illustrations in the book that he's looking at are original to the film, but they're certainly based on the kinds of etchings and woodcuts that you would see of old European um, Christmas folk figures. Uh, Krampus, of course, is the most famous one now, but and there's in fact, there's just a straight up Krampus image in there um, yeah. among those illustrations. But the Yule Goat was a real thing. Um, for the most part, it's been supplanted. Um, in uh, Norway, in Sweden, the main gift giver is a, is a little uh, gnome, a little Christmas gnome, uh, who's becoming increasingly Santa-like. Um, yeah. But and in Finland, they still call him Yulepuki, they still call him the Yule Goat, but he just looks like Santa Claus. But he is supposed to live at Corventon Tory Mountain, which means um, basically the ear, ear mountain, because it kind of, the profile of the, the mountain kind of looks like an ear, but the idea is that from in his workshop in the mountain, he can hear kids 
being good or bad or right. sending their prayers up for stuff. Um, so, uh, so you do have a background of there actually being a formerly sinister, more sinister character that has been softened by commercial uh, practices over time. And so the idea is, I guess, that that's kind of been, that's been buried in a, both a, a literal and figurative sense. Um, so yeah, so Corvin Tory Mountain is the traditional home of Yulupuki. So that's not a coincidence. Um, use that as the, the starting point geographically. I didn't know about the 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 mountain element. Like I knew about the, uh, well, I've, I'm mostly familiar with like Norway, Sweden. So they have like the Tonte, which lives mm-hmm. in the house and, and that's sort of the house spirit and the gnomes, you know, which have become very Santa-like over the time. So you have a lot of this, um, and there's the idea of the Hildefolk from uh, uh, Iceland. So there's a lot of this cross pollination going on in terms of the imagery of the movie. And you can see that in the books. Um, I think it gets the idea across, but I, I didn't know about the Yulipuki and the uh, um, the mountain. Because um, they also talk about the, I remember their name, the Sami people, the, mm-hmm. the uh, indigenous people. Um, not never pictured, um, but a lot of the uh, the fashion, like that's the, where the red and white that was popularized by Coca-Cola, like a lot of the those colors that you see this the the Santa character in um, have a lot of that in common with the traditional and the elves too in a lot of these um, like a lot of the the traditional illustrations from like the romantic or the arts and crafts movement and these these uh, like traditional Victorian which is where a lot of this the imagery comes from that we know now and a lot of that is influenced by the Sami uh fashion um and yeah the, the some of the indigenous people that are really up in the the north they're in russia and finland and and norway um and uh you know sweden up in the uh the the more arctic regions there um so yeah yeah and that's sort of where the jumping off point is for this movie is you know where we start sort of with this mountain um and we have a uh various points to say Russian a lot of the guys are obviously American um, where they're they're drilling into the mountains at the request of this uh, small rich man Riley who we don't really learn a lot about um, other than that he's small and rich and uh, has has I don't know where he's supposed to be he has a very difficult to parse accent yeah I, so <laughs> I think the company is ambiguously American or British like the guy who's working for it uh, working for them that the the one who's a native English speaker obviously has a British accent Mm -hmm. the guy who owns the company but speaks English I believe is Finnish and so he's speaking with a Finnish accent presumably with the hope that a Finnish audience wouldn't be able to tell the difference yeah I thought Riley was from Riley the name of the guy leading it who was hunting for searching Santa for unexplained reasons uh, I thought he was from Villain Sylvania, so that was just his natural uh, Villain Sylvania accent. <laughs> well, I mean, he he was kind of Dickensian, which I think is another bit of Christmassy imagery yeah, he, that they're bringing he's got a in. Very, he's got a very Scrooge look to him with the the scarf and the top coat. Yeah, yeah. I um, thought, especially once they started mentioning how short he was in the movie, I thought their play was going to be that he was an elf, like looking for Santa for whatever reason. But they just point out that he's short, and then we don't really learn anything else about him, other than that, like he gets around by helicopter, 
he he really he wants Santa Claus the way J. Jonas Jameson wants pictures of Spider-Man. Like he's just that that excited about it. Um, and like they're they're drilling through and they get very excited because they find a layer of sawdust in this mountain, uh, very, which they think well doesn't make any preserved. sense to be there. Yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, well, yeah, of course, you know, in the old days, people used sawdust to, you know, keep ice cold and keep it from melting. Um, clearly, there's the thing that we want is frozen in the ice under there somewhere, um, which is is a bit of a logical leap. But this man is also looking for Santa Claus. So, yeah, uh, so I think the mountain is actually on Russian soil. Right. The, 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 that chain link fence that the kids have cut the hole in is marks the, the border between Finland and Russia. And yeah. that's part of the reason why it's such a big deal that they have been sneaking over. Besides the fact that they're potentially bothering these people, they're crossing an international border and also letting in uh, letting wolves through the hole in the gate. Um, and since uh, these, these th the three adult men that are, <laughs> there's basically six people in the whole movie. Mm -hmm. and the three adult men are reindeer herders and there and they have to be very concerned about wolves and and we see we see uh, Pietari's dad uh, what's his name Rauno Rauno yeah yeah yep. yeah we see him building a wolf pit style trap uh, at the very beginning of the movie an illegal yeah. wolf pit trap yeah <laughs> we are later informed that that is definitely illegal and I was like really yeah. like that was that's, is... that's a cultural loss for me because like I feel like <laughs> if somebody if somebody in Finland was watching this they were like oh no an illegal wolf pit the way we'd be like oh no moonshine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What does it say about America that I'm like, I don't know if you're allowed. I feel like maybe like you can dig a wolf pit if it's on your property. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I'm I don't I have no idea what the fuck you can get away with in this goddamn country anymore. I don't know how, how Judge Judy would rule on the wolf pit. I'm not sure. But yeah. it's a pretty great scene where they are just like weighing that. Like, again, they don't know that he is a Santa or an elf or anything. All they know is, well, I dug a wolf pit and then this old man got fucking speared on it. And, and they are just so just, they have no care at all for the life of this man. They are looking at this purely like, they don't say it, but it seems like they're like, well, if we got to kill him, it's what we're going to do. Well, it's weird because, so they, the, this community, this very small community of people and this very far reach of Finland are, you know, herding reindeer, um, and relying on these reindeer for, you know, their, their livelihood. Um, they, uh, you know, having lost their herd, you know, they're trying to figure out what the fuck to do. And now they're really, really pissed off and considering crossing the border and like, you know, um, holding up the, the dig team for, to like essentially sue them or whatever to figure out what the fuck is going on. What, how the, there was a hole in the fence that just this, that ruined their entire economy the adults of this movie operate at all times like people with absolute confidence that if they hide a body it will never be found well have you seen the snow yeah. everywhere like I mean, what is the population density of that town yeah. i feel like extremely low um i gotta say i think uh speaking of the adults in the show i gotta say before i forget i think my favorite character i believe his name is imo the one who looks extremely like Willem Dafoe in The Life Aquatic. Oh, yeah. So, uh, is that uh, Juso's dad? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The potato yeah. farmer. He's yes. the one, his potato bags all get stolen. Yeah. My favorite is the whole Colgan looking guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
What's his name? Piperinen, I think. Piperana or whatever. I can't remember. Yeah, Piperinen. Piperinen. Not that that I'm pronouncing any of these correctly. Yeah, that that guy's (laughs) Piperinen has has like mad uncle energy. (laughs) Yeah, we learned. I guess I'll fly a helicopter and you can hang on to the thing from the bottom. Yeah, it's got to be fine, right? But he had was there anything in the movie establishing that he was a pilot of any sort before he just starts flying a helicopter? No, he just jumped in that helicopter and it was like in fucking Planet Terror where he's like, you know, useless talent number 84. Except that's very useful when you live out in the middle of fuck ass nowhere. Yeah, I mean, literally the only thing we know about him is that he's the one that traditionally dresses up like Santa Claus. Yeah. At, at Christmas. Yes. And, and Piatari's gone this whole time not knowing that until his friend uh, Yuso tells him. And uh, and it seems Yuso, like- like with I, his I, fucking child mullet and single feather earring. Yeah, he's like coming out of the Warriors. Mm-hmm. And he's like really good at math. <laughs> there were some wild fashion choices in this movie. Like, so I gotta I'm, say, I'm not a fan it. of Yuso. <laughs> he's kind of a shit. I feel like they were better off keeping they were better off keeping the straw effigy than saving yourself. (laughs) You should do that math really fast. Now your son, yeah, yeah, because we we start off with Piatari and Yuso spying on this dig site in Russia, and like Piatari very quickly, very quickly puts together that they're trying to excavate Santa Claus out of this thing. He has been doing too much reading, Um, and you know they. They run back through the piece of the fence that they've cut. And, um, you know, Yuso is, uh, Yuso is a, a real shit to him. He's in sort of this rock and a hard place play, or Piatari is in sort of this rock and hard place place between Yuso and his dad, who both have these like different versions of hyper masculinity that they're kind of throwing at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yuso is like, Yuso is in an 80s American like horror movie. Where like he's the kid that's you know gonna gonna get them into deep shit going into graveyards and fucking with mummies and shit like that. Yeah, uh, that kid. He's he's in monster Yuso squad. Is the kind of kid that grows up to become money and don't breathe. <laughs> he he Look. he very much looks like and has the energy of uh, Bobby Budnick from Salute Your I don't know if that's. <laughs> Yeah. My God, <laughs> that's a distant reference. All right, what, that's a d. That's a deep cut. <laughs> yeah. I'm here for it. Hell yeah! Oh my God. Yeah, and I, I think makes me want to fart. <laughs> we get a, and then we get like Rona, Rona, who is pretty classic. Like, is he bad dad or is he just stoic, overwhelmed dad trying his best and doesn't he's, know what he's the doing? The first half of this oh. movie, I was like, oh, this is absolutely finish Liam Neeson. Like, yeah, he's playing that part of like the real tough dad who like is just anytime the son is in the room, he's like, I, I know that you had a terrible dream. Here's a hearty handshake, son. Like, yeah. you know, it's it's just he's real, real hard. But like the moment his son leaves, he's like looking out a window and crying, thinking about, you know, yeah, how, you, how rough things are for his son. You There's definitely like the- you, you have to be tough. And show no weakness, but also for the love of God, I don't want you to see any gore. Don't look at any gore. Oh, I'm yeah, not he's right. very protective, and yeah. also, but like protective in an in an avoidance way rather Close than like eyes. a yeah. ex. Yeah, because and so this kid is like, you're not telling me the truth, and he's like, I know. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, I feel like you definitely get the sense that he's he's trying and he's overwhelmed. It, you you kind of get the sense he's relatively recently widowed, 
Yeah. Um, you, you know that he's doing, he, he is trying, like he's making the gingerbread cookies for his kid and, and he's so relieved when they taste like mom's. And then he's so upset when he burns the roast or whatever. Um, yeah. He is trying, but yeah, and he, he wants his son to grow up, but also, yeah, he is protective in the way where he, he lets him come into the slaughterhouse and cover his eyes. Also, for the record, he, had, he has to do no further work to make the Atari like a take charge badass. This Absolutely kid, not, this apparently. Is a, this is a 10-year-old who looks death in the face and goes like, yeah, if this calls for the, a heroic sacrifice, I'm fucking game. Let's yeah. do this. Stay here, Vipo. This is the most bizarre like, coming of age story ever. Because like, it, well, it really like, is. I thought, I thought Chucky's. I thought the kid from Child's Play was hardcore for just for dropping a fucking Schwarzenegger one-liner before setting Chucky on fire. This kid is on a whole other fucking level. Yeah, yeah well, he's like, on his way. Not only does he like just fucking fire off the one-liners, right? After like very obviously um, facing his fear, like he faces, you know, he goes through this arc and he finally comes to the door, the door that should not be opened on the advent calendar, the 24th door. And then he goes through it, leaving his little, little fake stuffed animal dog behind. And then he's after that, he is like fucking Bruce Willis and also like flying on a helicopter, like dangling on this net on the helicopter woohooing like he's on Falcor's back. And there's this one exchange <laughs> that I just had to write down because I was so blown away by it. Where Juso's dad is like, won't the children get cold? Like being just fucking flown around on a helicopter. And Pietari just fucking stares him down and goes like, you stay out of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's He's bringing real like Heather Langenkamp as Nancy Thompson levels of like, yes, there's a thing that's trying to kill me. I'm going to fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When he fires off that shotgun to get their attention inside the uh, thing, I was like, all right. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I feel feel like the the primary visual metaphor that really kind of gets across the opposing forces that are pulling at Piatari, his his own desire to stay a kid and then his dad wanting him to grow up and Yuso wanting him to be a teenage dick or whatever and then also just the circumstances of his life i think the fact that he's for the almost the entire movie is carrying around a teddy bear on one shoulder and a rifle on the other shoulder like really kind of gets across like the necessities of the the lifestyle in the place in a place like that yeah i love his armor when he's just putting on hockey pads and duct tape and cardboard to himself and best he's got the car he's got the cardboard on his butt because he knows he's going to get spanked if he's naughty an- yeah. Another another peak choice look from this movie. Yeah, well, this kid, I feel like this kid and then the kid from the Babadook would like if I there, if there was in a like a zombie apocalypse, I'm like, hey guys, I'll cook <laughs> this time. <laughs> I don't need to, I mean, I'd put myself between danger and you because you're kids, but I don't know if I need to. <laughs> These kids are gonna turn around and be like, I'll take care of it. Tell my dad what I did. <laughs> did anyone expect the electric fence to be relevant? Yes. Yeah, they set it up in the beginning. That's yeah. Great. And then they turn it back on, but it's, I don't know what it does. I don't know how it affects it. keeps them anything. in. Once they're in, it keeps them in. Yeah. The gate. Reindeer are intense. Like, both male and female reindeer have, have antlers like that. And 
they're I big. was more expecting at the end, like the old man elves to just start like at least a few old man elves to get electrocuted. Yeah, well, the, the, the is, reindeer are not as friendly as Frozen would lead you to believe. <laughs> the thing is that um, once the once the queen is killed, then all the minions don't really have any point. So then they're just standing around in the cold with their dicks out. Wait, is this still reindeer? Do reindeer have queens? Is no. there the queen? Is there the queen deer? No, we're talking about the Queen Santa. We're talking oh, about right, Queen right, Santa. right, 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 right. The Queen Santa horns. is murdered. All the Santa drones stop. stop working. Again, I'm now yeah. just imagining the alien, like the aliens recut, where it's the alien queen, but now she's just decked out in Christmas gear. Oh, that yeah, that's a uh, that's the the holiday special. Um, yeah. So these guys, after the so they 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 sneak on to the the uh, excavation site, which is all abandoned um yeah. or at least for the moment abandoned the other thing i have a question about this movie is that a lot of this movie occurs when there is daylight and i'm thinking like they must have shot if this is actually finland in on in christmas time yeah then there must have been like one hour yeah not even fin just finland it's like lapland specifically yeah like that's straight up arctic circle stuff they had to have like so little daylight to work with yeah. forget the golden hour you're getting the golden minute there for filming <laughs> yeah like this the that um hamlet moment with with what's his nuts standing in, in front of the, the the mountains um i'm talking about you know the shit i forgot his i name. do wonder if it was actually filmed though in the winter i don't think oh, it I was. Think. i would if imagine was, not like, i would imagine not yeah I'm, i mean spring still, snow yeah there's snow everywhere like I don't think that, like, I think in the winter, it, the snow would be so deep that they wouldn't be able to move. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, they they come back from this thing. They they go about, you know, we, we get introductions to a lot of the people. But then, uh, you know, we find out that the reindeer are coming back and only like two reindeer come back from their whole herd. And they go to investigate. They find all of the reindeer dead right outside of this, you know, hole that the boys have left in the fence. Um and you know, Juzo, of course, does not uh, does not want to tell the parents. You know what what happened is much more concerned for his own hide than uh, you know telling the truth. Um, Pietari, of course, is sure that this is all the work of evil Santa Claus who is stuck out and eating all the reindeer, um, which turns out not to be entirely true. I I guess these are this is the work of the elves. Um, I guess they were right. famished and ate some reindeer. Um, but that, I mean, but that's the, that's the bait and switch of the movie, right? Like so long when, when the, you find the old man in the pit, you're like, oh, this is the evil Santa that was trapped in the mountain. And for so much of the movie, you're like, that's, that's him. There he is, evil Santa. And then later the reveal is, no, 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 that's Santa's helper. <laughs> Real Santa's much bigger. Yeah. Yeah. So they, uh, the adults all decided to bust into this place and go investigate this, uh, this place that apparently cut a hole in their fence, but there is nobody to be seen. There is nothing here. Um, you know, every everything is gone. And then the next morning after they come back to the house, they find uh, the they find that somebody has fallen into their wolf pit and it's an old man. Uh, and dad is all ready to go ahead and start butchering this body and hiding it somewhere when uh, the man starts, the man inconveniently starts breathing. Um, well, here's the thing is that the dude was found wearing... So, I mean, I guess draped in some of the clothing from one of the workers. So they identify him as an American guy who they think is one of the workers. Yeah. Um, He's got for, a cool potato sack that he should not have. Yeah. Um, that has 
a spooky wooden child in it but um i don't know where that fits in into the lore like is that a thing where Uh, um it feels it feels uh it's very changeling-esque right like the idea that they're kidnapping the children and replacing them with uh uh you know um uh weird dolls replacement stall yeah like um effigy versions yeah um i that's not a i mean obviously a lot of the darker christmas figures krampus specifically they're famous for you know carrying all children in the sack but um there's there's probably some version where where you have a replacement but that that feels like general kind of fairy lore to me rather than a christmas yeah kind of thing i mean those those uh effigies are really spooky yeah i mean that was probably one of the spookier moments in the movie oh yeah um but yeah so they take the the old man into the uh um the the butcher shop and they're about to like cut up his body yeah and uh, apparently the two things that this old man reacts to uh is children and uh gingerbread <laughs> those are the yeah. two things he's really into as soon as you know uh Pietari gets close to the the place where he's at he starts sniffing and smelling him and then when you know uh the the uh not uncle um uh, pip, pip, i've written it down in here Pipperinen uh, uh, starts, you know, eating gingerbread close to him. It uh, causes him to start sniffing. And when uh, Pipperinen gets too close, he bites his whole freaking ear off. Dude is he's so it, chill about having his ear. It's off. not. A, he has like one tear. It's like so fucking. It's kind of sad where he's and. Here's this, the other thing. The stoicism is pretty to the max. I was gonna say this is my that was my favorite year, you know. It's like, yeah, that he level was just of, kind of not, like not really traumatized by it, but like ah, damn, I lost an ear. Like the 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 way he looked after he lost his ear was the way I look when I see like a really cute cat video, and I'm a little bit sad because I'm just like so emotional about it, and I have like one tear. He's just sitting there dabbing his ear hole with a napkin when the other guys come up. He's like, yeah, he bit me. And then it yeah. never comes up again. <laughs> he's just like, oh, you guys better know. see this. Like, yeah, he's like I that. thought he was just a dying old man, but he bit my ear off. Yeah, so it's funny because... They probably made, they probably made fun of him for the one tear. Even well, they, I like, think he wiped like, it away or, or maybe it froze on his face. Who knows? Um, <laughs> if this was really Finland into the winter, they would have had to like chip that thing off. But... Um, so the in the very beginning of the movie going back to the beginning that whole conceit about being like no swearing or anything so the the american or well they don't sound american but the english-speaking workers throw around f words and and shit words and all that kind of stuff and meanwhile riley's like don't swear and then these finish these like okay I, i have not seen one woman there's no women in this movie. There's a woman's voice at one point. Women, there's no women in, in this no, part of Finland, yeah. I guess. Um, we, we've got a classic Disney movie, Dead Mom. Yeah, but like no other, no women appear in this film. Yeah, where's Yuso's mom? Like, Yeah, well, she's a, a referred to. Yeah. She does have a hair dryer. Yeah, her hair oh, dryer right. was stolen. You can't expect her to appear in these kinds of conditions. Mm. I get, yeah, if she doesn't have a hair dryer, well, shit. I mean, like, it's dry as fuck. Anyway, so... Um, Hair just frozen to her head. Yeah, my mom wouldn't be out there if uh, some elf had stolen her hair dryer, you know? Yeah. Um, but every time that the the these fins are exclaiming, they're always saying something like fiddlesticks. <laughs> like, that's how it's pr- translated. And I'm like, are they actually 
saying that the Finn equivalent of, you know, oh, golly gee, as opposed to fuck this, because when they start speaking English, they, they throw around the fuck words. Well, then- that's, well, I feel like that's something that is a kind of a legitimate criticism I have of the movie is the way the rules are introduced, but then never fully laid out like the rules of like, and one of those rules is you're not supposed to swear, but it, it's not like the movie takes the time to establish that. And so you have the inherent, because I could see there being some like comedy and like, ooh, look at these very burly, tough men. And they have to say like fudge instead of fuck. Yeah. Like, and, and, and that could also be, um, you know, a kind of comedy that necessarily, that wouldn't necessarily translate super well, or maybe it would have, if the movie had laid it out more and done more to play up that like, this is a bit of a comedy. Like these guys are intentionally going out of their way to not swear because they know that attracts the killer elves. Like, yeah, the, like the, way it's, expecting- the way it's pitched, the way it's put out there at the beginning, it could be very Gremlins-esque. They could be like, oh no, you could be like, oh no, that guy sweared. Oh no, he's dead. Um, but that's yeah, not, I was expecting totally like the, the rules to matter the way the rules did in Gremlins. And it does like somebody so like one of the Finnish guys swears and then they just like kill Riley. So it just seems to be like, ah, someone said bastard, uh, time to go a killing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a weird like it doesn't feel that targeted. Um but yeah, so it I might wish... have been just Riley being crazy, though. Because, again, he has, like, Riley has him on a card, and it's such a weird, specific thing that I'm like, oh, again, this has to be the rules of the movie. This is going to play it out. This is what's going to, like, Pietieri's, like, advantage. He's intentionally trying to be a good boy for Santa. Mm-hmm. Well, but he's... then that doesn't end up really being it, and instead Riley's just a crazy person who has unexplained Santa lust. Well, yeah, you know, as Don't much as all, anyone then. wanting to bang Santa's can be unexplained, we all get it. The man knows how to give. I, he knows it's better to give than to receive. Um, something, something, slay. Anyway, um, the the, the I, think I think broke Jeremy a little with that one. <sighs> no, God. We're, we're, we're good. Um, well, and, and the other thing is, like, I'm not sure if the the Santa minions are the judges of naughty and nice or they just bring the children to the the big horned santa and then he's the one who gets pissed off about all the swears like the minions don't really judged by horny santa yeah yes uh, thank you yeah it's, it's there's such a like interesting feeling of mythology in this that they don't they don't always build on they don't always deliver on it's it's really like it some of it almost feels like a first season of something like they're like all right we've got some rules here that are going to come back later and they don't they don't really come back later um but like yeah it, it's i don't know it, it's fun it's there's like a lot of ideas here and just not um the space to do it because they spend yeah. a lot of time establishing um there's premises no, characters relationships stuff like that there, at the beginning there's yeah. concepts and mythologies here that I really love and I don't feel like the movie had the space or the structure to really explore or play with them. Well, I feel like there's a cultural context that I might be missing too. Like, especially in terms of the way that they, that, that they translate the swears. And then of course, like certain things about 
like Christmas and life in Finland and stuff like that, you know, um, I think that there, there might be something more that we're missing since we're not, you know, from there, but, um, you know, that, I don't know if that is enough to fill the gaps here. Um, I, I will say that for all of those rules, these dudes, once the, once the Santa wakes up, once the, like the old man, the gnarly old naked man wakes up and they're like messing with, like they're trying to figure out what he's about. They are ruthless with that guy. Like for all of their previous, before they even knew that there was like a Santa situation at all, when they were like, oh, fiddlesticks. Now the uh, Willem Dafoe shows up and he's like, hey, fuck you, fuck, fuckity, fuck face. This is, I mean, I know that if you're an early English learner and you're, you know, you earn, if you're learning English from like TV, I'm sure fuck is like the first thing. But. Um, shouldn't learn, shouldn't learn English from the wire. It's not a great yeah. idea. <laughs> Yeah, and like the way that they just give this guy the runaround, and I'm like, you guys could try being polite. But he has, at the point that they start beating him with a broom, he has already eaten one of their ears. So you know, there's just there's some. There is just <laughs> there is a some... large part of his ear missing. Not okay. Bit. Like, yeah, but he also no, this is, is this taunting is a the shit Mike out of Tyson him. level ear biting. But he was also like that dude was being so shitty. He was like, oh, you can have the nope, no gingerbread. Oh, you can have the gingerbread. Oh, Look, and then like, dude is just, you know, who knows? He could have been coming out of a coma and being fucking famished. Look, this is some real Pipperin and fucked around. And then he found out. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. But and it's so just the imagery of like, we're just going to poke this whole man with a stick. Yeah. Like that <laughs> was fucking amazing. Amazing. That actually, like the the imagery of that. I mean, I think that that could be a little bit triggering too, like for some people, because I know that, like, when we were watching Drag Me to Hell, um, and they were throwing around the old lady, I was like, I don't like. Yeah, I I was sorry. uh, Elder abuse trigger warning. Although this old man does get his uh, does turn it around on them. Yeah, so they they get a call on the radio. They you know the guy had a jacket from one of the American guys, and it has a radio in it and they find out that this guy is coming to get the thing they've been digging up there which is they presume is this guy this guy is santa claus they dress him up in a santa costume and they're going to go sell him off to uh the the rich man to you know get all their money that they lost from the reindeer um so they uh they put him him in a santa suit and put him in a cage and put him in the back of their pickup truck and then uh drive that shit down to the hangar i guess there's just uh the local the helipad the local helipad and hangar um and uh you know with the intention of, of selling him off and they meet uh riley who is you know helicopters in and this is where we get the the really clever twist of this movie which is you know piatari has started wandering off and, and looking at other stuff uh and they tell him oh now this he, he looks at this guy and he's like oh no this isn't Santa Claus. This is one of his little helpers. You know, this this is not nothing like the real Santa Claus. And at this point, they start uh, being being encroached upon by dozens of these. Uh, yeah, they come out of the goddamn walls. <laughs> yeah, these very uh, these very naked, uh, very wily old men um, who uh, just know are, how to seem rather to... determined to kill them. And Piatari has found the giant door with a 24 on it that looks like the big door from his advent calendar for last day of advent and uh i guess just bad luck that they happen to pick the meeting spot 
that's where frozen Santa beast is being hidden slash radiated. Well, I think that that's the only place where a helicopter can land. Like, well, or, easily... you know, they, we know that the people found him before. We don't know where the elves came from. If the elves were also under the ground somewhere, or if the elves were just attracted by Santa's renewed, uh, you know, existence above ground. Um, I but... have to imagine they were underground with Santa. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it's like there were just old men chilling around in Finland, and then Santa, and then Santa was unearthed and sent out his psychic signal, and then it's like just finish old men sleeper agents got away got away he's basically christmas onslaught right like he just (laughs) 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 i have this idea well they the the old the guys at the site were like we have a situation and if if, like every movie they're the the ceo or whatever like riley's like like tell me about what what's going on and they're like well we can't give you santa because and i'm dead and so um, I'm pretty sure that the, the like, there was like a massive, it's like Katamari Damashi massive model or of dudes surrounding the giant frozen, like um, Yule goat dude. I'm doing like a thing with my hands where I'm showing horns. Yes, uh, Ben. My new, I, I figured out a new theory that Riley is works for the Hallmark Channel taken to Wayland Utani levels where they've run out of Christmas romances and now they must <laughs> un, they must dig into the earth to unearth our, our the true Santa for more Christmas romance movies. That's I mean that is how the the IMDb would have this movie like <laughs> their true secret of Christmas <laughs> is under this mountain. Um, I feel like eventually we're going to be like, hey, get get ready for Christmas 2023 and progressively horrified. We found four Hallmark Christmas movies with ghosts. I mean, they're all terrible. (laughs) What were you going to say, Benito? Oh, I was going to say this this part uh, in the hangar is also where we get the payoff for one of my favorite plot threads in the movie, which is the the recurrence of uh, ovens and toasters and hair dryers going missing across the village yeah and it, and it turns out all of the all of the elves have set them up inside this hangar to to melt the ice block that that the yule goat is trapped in i am a big fan of this ac and heating and like engineering installate like installation elves yeah well that's the weird thing is that they can figure that shit out like they can figure out what radiators are um but they Which, don't talk but i mean like that's the thing is that's, i, I love the up- I want to see the Why? elf who stole the one hairdresser. It was like, yeah, we this will work too. It's like a tiny heater. Well, they're like, they like batted out of his hand. Dryer lying in the middle of the road outside of the thing. So presumably he brought it back, and one of the elves was one of the other elves just backhanded him and was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. This is useless. I I need to I need to see that. I want to. Yeah, I I imagine these guys talk like the uh, the Vikings do, and um. The secret of Kells, where they're like, boom, do it, or they like make weird guttural. Like, I was imagining like Pokemon speak, where they're just like, Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. <laughs> well, I mean, it's Finland, so it'd be like, Yul, 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 Yul. Uh, you sounding increasingly like the Swedish chef as you go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bork, bork, bork. <laughs> Well, no, I wish there was this weird chef because then we would have had some queer content in this movie. <laughs> yes. I mean, wait, no, I'm thinking of Bunsen and Beaker. 
but you know, Swedish Chef also queer. Swedish Chef. Sure. I mean, if you watch, he's very flamboyant. Yes. Um, I was thinking of Bunsen and Beaker, though. So that's just me being a bad Muppet man. Um, By the way, my lineage is Swedish. So I'm just letting everybody know, letting all you Nordic men know that I'm not, you know, being Ikea jokes are on the table (laughs) (laughs) against (laughs) Swedish people. Yeah, we, we also didn't mention that at some point, Pietari goes through his phone tree of all the other children he knows in town and calls all the other houses, and none of them are there, and nobody seems concerned about this. Again, yeah. that's from the act two that never fucking happened in this movie. Yeah, like, he he tried to figure out where all the other kids were. He found the effigy that's there instead of Yuso, right? And then Yuso's dad doesn't give up fuck he's like oh he'll be back have, by nightfall so, you so yeah this, well yeah he knows, he knows his own son is a piece of shit and yeah. is probably out fucking something up somewhere so he's yeah like, a, bullet dodged b stoicism yeah also no. <laughs> being back by nightfall is like oh in an hour so again i feel like there's a n- version of the script where instead of just pietari and you so it was like all like six of these kids uh, the rules become a prominent thing as you see them like break the rule. And then like the movie is like these six kids, like one by one getting taken and captured by the elves. And you see them like break the rules or they prove themselves naughty and then they get taken. And it's a little more of a traditional horror movie and a little less stoic Nordic men reservoir dogs. Yeah, that's the that's the American version of this movie where like, you know, you get to know all of the kids and they slowly get taken one by one. But as you know, Pietari is the only one who seems to notice. Um, yeah, as compared to here where like they discover them all in potato bags inside the <laughs> uh, inside the, the place where they have the frozen Santa Claus and uh the the adult men are all freaking out and trying to stack radiators in front of the door and losing their goddamn minds about uh, the giant horns coming out of this block of ice that they've found. And uh, this is where Pietari really steps it up and like he's trying to tell them what to do. Nobody's listening, so he fires off the shotgun into the sky and the or into the ceiling, I guess, of this yeah. uh, hangar. And uh, he's like, "All right, here's what we're gonna do." The elves are going to keep coming here as long as there's kids here. So we're going to pack all the kids into this th- this uh, thing that we're going to attach to the helicopter. And we're going to fly that shit out into the middle of nowhere, me included. And all the elves are going to follow us. And then you guys are going to stay behind and blow this fucking devil up. <laughs> like, you're blow up Wait, okay. The, it's funny because I, for a moment, for a moment, and when I talk about like the, the cultural um, cues that I'm missing for a moment, I was wondering if there was some sort of like radiator potato sack legend about <laughs> fucking um, <laughs> like you would go in up in Finland, <laughs> but um, you know, how yeah, that, that was to com- say radiators. When Again, you're there. I <laughs> love the idea that these elves had the wherewithal to be like, okay, our Santa master is trapped in ice. How can we get it out of ice? Do we start fires? No. Do we get radiators, a thing we know and understand how to install and operate? Yeah. 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 Again, that the, the fact that they're smart enough to do that 
brings up the serious moral quandary <laughs> about the trafficking later. But yeah, um, I, I'm you could have you could have the... sent these people off to do like fucking AC and radiator repairs. You could I'm impressed with the one elf whose job it was to get uh, bags to put children in and stumbled upon a potato <laughs> farm and was like, shit, I've hit the mother load. Yeah. <laughs> Just pours <laughs> potatoes everywhere and steals I, all the bags. I also want to point out <laughs> that this movie, this kid calls all six other kids that exist in his all microcosm. All also, six. None of these, pa- none of the parents he calls seem to realize their children are missing until Pietri calls them yeah. to point out that their children are missing. There's also yeah. one it police officer. That most of them care more than Yuso's dad, who's like, whatever. They're like, hey, would you, uh, if you see him, just, you know, tell him, tell him to go home. Like, <laughs> so they, they put the kids in a net that is, is like a big, like, cargo, cargo net. net. Yeah. And they're in bags, and then um, Pietari like jumps on it, and they like fly the bags up into the air. Yuso was like, "Why do I have to be in a bag?" And Pietari says, "Shut up! This is my plan." Yes, (laughs) that was so fucking good. By the end of the movie, Pietari is taking no fucks from anybody. Yeah, he's fucking badass. Um and Again, they see the on big... his way to being a human trafficker, but a badass. <laughs> yeah. And what I love about these guys, about these the the I mean, it makes 100 percent sense from these guys who are reindeer herders, is that before blowing up the the giant Santa in the block, they harvest his fucking horns. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they're not like for any not for any plot reasons but just because like hey waste not want not yeah when you live in fucking winter at forever when you live in fucking winterfell and those have got to be worth a buck right yeah it's some real monster hunter stuff and i'm again here for it well yeah. i do gotta say yeah. when they're like Dear when me. they're negotiating they're like oh a santa's gotta be worth 85k like that's what we lost i'm like Try to make you're taking a man hostage. Try to make a profit. Yeah, that's and where we're um negotiate. The, yeah, the uncle maybe, maybe start with like 125. See what yeah. you can get. <laughs> they start out with like the bottom number, and I'm like, you guys, <laughs> I'm like, you're so honest. <laughs> Little like, sticks. We just need to cover our losses. Let's keep let's keep our, let's be ethical in this hostages slash man selling we're doing. So they they pilot the helicopter over the the rolling fields as you know this a bunch of I mean it's a CG horde of 198 they're very specific 198 elves follow these kids aimlessly and also like bef- while uh, Uncle I'm just gonna say Sad Uncle is trying to get to the helicopter he manages to distract these potentially lethal naked old men with pickaxes by just throwing gingerbread at them um i'm not sure that that wouldn't work with real naked old men yeah i mean again i wish there and this comes from me wanting just more mythology even if they're like partly making it up like because again with the scene where pietri's like going through like the books and looking stuff up and you're seeing all the imagery and it's like dark for bone honestly one of my favorite scenes in the movie like where it just seems like it's going going to go real deep into the lore and mythos of Santa. Like, I don't know if they'd just been like, 
Oh, Santa's helpers, they chewed on the ginger root for sustenance. And well, then the- it's like, oh, and then we used the ginger root. So that's why they like the cookies. Cool. Con- mythology connected. But you don't really get that. It's just kind of like they're elves. Well, and then just cookies and milk thing where you leave the cookies and milk out for. This is a minor point. And again, maybe it's just Nordic stoicism. It bothered me a lot that Pietri wasn't dipping his gingerbread cookies in his glass of milk. Okay. Okay. All right. Hold on. I don't know if these are the kind of ginger cookies that I'm familiar with, but in certain parts of Scandinavia, those are called peppercocker or pepperkuchen. They are very, very thin. Um, In fact, they're also somewhat magical. You crack them into a certain number of pieces, depending on what part of the world you're from um, or what part of Scandinavia you're from. And if they crack into a certain number of pieces, then a wish is granted. So they also they're so thin that um, they uh, they'll like disintegrate if you put them in liquid. So they're basically like cardboard thin. They're very good, but the only way that you can make them to be that thin is to um cook them on a cold surface or not cook them but like uh, prepare them on a cold surface because otherwise the butter gets too warm and sticky um and the molasses and stuff i I make these every year so like these peppercocker are important and i can understand any old man elf or not being like oh shit especially if they taste like how mom used to make them like it's a it's a thing i don't know if there's like any other like connection with with the um yule characters or anything like that i know that in norway you set out like a little thing of porridge yeah um for the for the tonti but like that is um the the peppercogger do have some mystical qualities whether they specifically there's a myth where you throw a peppercogger at a an elf and it's like and it doesn't kill you you know um well these elves end up not killing them in this specific case because uh the the adults do uh drill holes into the ice and plant dynamite in it and then blow fucking santa to 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 hell presumably um and the elves immediately become docile without any like direct you know input from this so presumably as as mentioned earlier there is some sort of santa hive mind where they are being controlled by uh, by the uh, the Queen Santa, um, who has been blown up. The the one liner here where they have like every stick of they have like hundreds of sticks of dynamite in this ice block, and then um, one of the dudes says to the other one, um, "I've always wondered how Santa could be in a whole bunch of places at once." Yes. <laughs> amazing it was just like one after the other For a super stoic movie this movie's got a lot of one-liners <laughs> like, yeah and I, I love i love the shot one probably one of my favorite shots in the movie is the dad in the back of the truck when they're driving away and the explosion is the force of the explosion is so much it blows his hat off yeah it's really nice which is interesting because he's driving away so you have like these two forces of like the 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 movement of the truck and yeah it's it's actually like a nice little detail um yeah uh meanwhile you know uh pieteri has been surrounded by these elves who all sort of stop and they all you know come back to to find you know pieteri and uh waiting around with these elves and they decide they make 
the decision on the spot to go ahead and uh, enslave these seemingly mindless uh, old men and to train them to be nice to children and then uh, ship them in in shipping boxes off to other countries to be uh, presumably mall Santas, I guess. Um, you know, so they they make a they make a uh, product of selling off these uh, elves who are no longer connected to the hive mind. Which, and uh, that's again, who's weirdly, buying this is that? where the name of the movie comes from is that the you know. Uh, the company is called Rare Exports, which, you know, obviously knowing about the short films, it was a, you know, a thing that already existed and they, you know, created yeah. this sort of uh, backwards way into the title. Again, in a movie where it's starting from this premise and there's a level of absurdity you're buying into, totally, I'm on board. In a movie playing it all this straight, I have questions. Who the fuck is looking at their options of, well, I could pay someone nine dollars an hour for two weeks and then be done or i could buy a person for eighty five thousand dollars apparently yeah there's something like you, that really does not hold up to scrutiny no, when you i don't even know it. because uh, it Who does is the customer these, base for this business it does seem that these elves are semi-immortal um you know that one does catch a whole spear through his you know through the middle of his body and is able to recover from it and then is you know in perfectly good shape to run around trying to kill people shortly thereafter yeah it's uh, true they are hardy so but it is it is, is a just... resource that you do not need to uh repurchase once you've got the elf situation sorted you don't need to have worry about buying another elf yeah but then they know how heaters work and also like at the very end the, the box that they put the santa in is sort of an example it goes it's going to to uh, Tanzania, which I'm like, <laughs> at that point, you just say it's going to Abu Dhabi. Like, just fucking it's, lean it's into got the real joke. normal energy right there. Yeah, it's <laughs> just <laughs> so I'm like, we're gonna mail the cat to Abu Dhabi kind of joke here. So, um, but I don't know what the situation in Abu Dhabi is. So maybe they had to change it, but it still had a very like I don't know. It just I'm like this feels colonial. That's that's it's actually it's the same joke in the original short film. It's the the packing. Uh, slip is for Zanzibar, just like in the movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I really don't want to think too hard about shipping an old white man to Zanzibar to be <laughs> I Santa. Feel, I, I feel like it's the idea is just supposed to be that, yeah, it is, it's a far distant location. And that's oh, yeah. Yeah. Across the world. But yeah. That's why, like, the Abu Dhabi thing, like, sure. at least if it's a Garfield joke, then we're like, okay, yeah, I get what you guys are putting down. But I don't know. I don't yeah. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like discredit this journey that I've gone through with this this intrepid young kid and their small business uh miracle. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's the end of the film. I do want to make a weird argument as we get to the issues here that in a way this movie is uh semi-feminist. Um it does not contain any women whatsoever. That is off the table. Uh, but in, in doing so, it doesn't treat women any particular way in the movie. But it does like recognize this uh, this dad's sort of traditional, you know, what what some people would call toxic masculinity as, as being like a thing that's getting between him and his son that they eventually do overcome. Like his dad is uh, able to, you know, 
tell him that he's proud of him and to emotionally connect with his son in a way that like they're not in the beginning um you know and it is sort of you know overcoming some of that uh traditional masculinity there not that like it's a it has a particularly feminist message or anything like that but that it is a uh, a movie that you know could easily be pretty stock actiony in some ways um that does you know allow men to have feelings and connect emotionally in a way that uh you know perhaps an, an action movie of the sort might not uh, wh- yeah. what do you guys think i know that's a, a a weird take i i mean i definitely see where you're where you're coming from i was surprised when you started the sentence that it ended that way when you were like <laughs> It's actually got a, like, I thought, you was, I was like, there's an environmental take. There's a anti-consumerist take. I could see that. Uh, you could, there's a, I don't know, this coming of age, whatever. I was not expecting feminism. But I, I feel like, I feel like you've got a compelling view of, it's certainly critical of traditional views of, of masculinity. I would agree. And I think, yeah. you know, the central, the central arc is Pietari coming to adulthood on, on his own terms, not, yeah. and not necessarily the way that his uh, dad would. Yeah. So I can, I can see that for sure. And he doesn't have that. Pietari doesn't have to be toxic in order to be in charge either. Mm. Yeah, Juso, the the kid who is toxically masculine, ends up being pretty much useless and just about killed. Yeah, right. And and of course, you know, the payoff of that is is he's crying when they pull him out of the potato. I mean, he's a very useful person to shove in a sack and use to lure away elves. (laughs) I mean, we all have our Um, uses. But no, I definitely found Rano's uh, struggle with being with uh being a single father and his embrace of both like stoic masculinity while without being threatened by embracing more traditionally motherly roles to me from a kind of emotional character standpoint it was definitely the most for me the most compelling part of the film yeah well and and i definitely think that this i mean the movie is not not feminist right i mean it's not um harmful in any yeah, way there's nothing I, yeah there's nothing exactly yeah so you know whether that counts as being I, mean, I don't think it's so much progressively feminist but it's also you know the the, the points about toxic masculinity are valid um and uh also like presenting our protagonists with the with the stuffed dog or the stuffed animal the whole time and have that be something where he's like he doesn't d- dismiss the stuffed animal he basically is like, wait here, I'll be back for you, you know, kind of thing with the stuffed animal, um, which is like somehow still a character in the movie, even though it's like, I don't even know. I, he treats it like a dog. I don't know if it was originally supposed to be a dog, but, um, you know, it is the best, uh, best stuffed dog his dad could make him, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what it feels so, like. Yeah, there's there's that. Um and yeah, it doesn't. The, the movie doesn't fall into the the um, toxic. Like I mentioned, Bruce Willis before. This kid is a lot more has a lot more sympathetic qualities than any Bruce Willis um, hero in an action movie, except for maybe the Twelve Monkeys one. But there's yeah. my take. Uh, ben, you mentioned this movie not really having anything in the way of queer themes. <laughs> do we do we feel like there's anything there to be mined as far as you know, LGBTQIA people or themes at all? uh no <laughs> we've made some we've made some hard reaches before but i feel like it's pretty difficult here i mean it's all dudes so there's that and the end yeah they, they are in yeah. no way close to each other even even though these three guys are presumably friends 
they do not seem in any way like intimate with one another. They, yeah. yeah, no, they they do not. They these do not seem to have, care for each other. All these much. men have never hugged each other. I can say that with a great deal of confidence. I mean, yeah. I feel like uh, Pipperino there tries to hug uh, people every once in a while, and he just gets shoved off. You know. Yeah, that's right. Pipperino is like. Yeah. He's he's, he's been, the he's the most emotional. For a hug his whole life. Uh, like, yet to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he's the big softy, even though he barely does anything. I mean, he's also the voice of reason when Rauno is like, I'm going to tear into Russia and go get him. And he's like, that's kind of an international incident, dude. But, um, you know, it works out. Also, his sunglasses. I do love his sunglasses. Yeah. yeah. By the but same you, note, again, other how than does the, he, the How mention. does he wear those sunglasses with only one ear? Uh, well, you Real notice that he doesn't wear them after that. Actually, that's he true. does. In the in the helicopter, but I think he has like he's probably got some sort of toothless. He's got, he's got the uh, cans on his ears at that point. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Sunglasses on those, no problem. Uh, yeah. Do we feel like uh, the? I don't feel like there's anything to be said as far as race or social justice. I mean, they do mention the native people who are no yeah. longer there at one point, I, but that's about I, as close as it gets. I feel like there's maybe I feel like there's maybe uh, a, a racial subtext to it. I mean. I, I don't know enough about Finland to fully know the the dynamics the racial dynamics between the you know the European Finns and then the indigenous uh, Sami people the the writer director of the movie is Sami um, mm. and uh, he's and and the kid who plays Pietari is his nephew and so he's half Sami yep. um, and 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 definitely there is um, a, there is a cultural subtext there because we learn that it's the Sami people who were the ones who were originally buried. Uh, Yulupuki in the mountain, and we get that whole that whole story. I, there's probably some kind of, you know, metaphorical subtext of, about kind of like colonialism and appropriation that I just don't have enough to understand. But I I think there's a frisson of that under the surface. Yeah, I would I would heartily agree because there's I mean the narrative of this movie is that like big big corporation big sub zero comes in fucks up the the local landscape you know wakes up the ancient evil um by breaking the traditions of the of the locals and then you know the locals have to clean it up kind of thing you know whether whether that be a cultural appropriation or an environmental message um and there's definitely an idea there's a there's a commentary about classism there considering the the you know you have this very very delicate balance in this very small and not and not effluent community um where these people are you know they, they have a way of life and they're comfortable but um you know the rain they rely entirely on the reindeer herds so you know that's and the, in this corporation by this frivolous i mean it's a pretty fucking frivolous quest that riley is is um awakening this ancient evil i don't know like he we don't ever really know why he's we, doing it we never learn what exactly his motivations are beyond just christmas yeah he's like weird scrooge elon this, musk being like is, yeah this is his blue origin i was gonna say uh, yeah <laughs> um, he just really like you know uh they want to go to space he just wants to find santa claus that's been his thing since he was a kid you know yeah, it's like he is like gonna find and unearth the real Santa Claus. We don't even know if he knows that this thing is evil and horrible, or he's just like expecting a 
I mean, presumably he's not inspecting a jolly man in a suit under there because he does recognize uh, the the thing they bring him as not Santa Claus. Yeah, and he also, you know, is very specific about the rules. Yeah. But I don't know, maybe he's just got OCD, mm-hmm. you know. He I, wants I to like stay off that relate. naughty list. Yeah. I feel like he recognizes the danger, but even though it's not made explicit, it's clearly he sees this as a money-making enterprise. I mean, how could it not be? to have the real santa claus right uh, yeah well i mean it's you know it's like the uh in jurassic park you know yeah. like they have the dinosaurs it's, and it's a jurassic park or a king kong kind of situation yeah, yeah. yeah. um you start you start quoting ian malcolm again there emily i can if you <laughs> want you know uh finds a way um i don't think this is this is that same narrative though like this is not a this i mean this is like a an eldritch horror kind of thing rather than yeah. like um I mean, your drillers you know thought about so much about whether they could do it didn't they stop to think about whether they should i mean they were like i we probably should find a way yeah <laughs> christmas, christmas finds a way uh, um yeah, clever so, elf. <laughs> uh, they can't really say clever but they have the other thing <gasps> that's the thing is that the the, the elves reproduce by changing like frogs because they use frog DNA with the elves. <laughs> so the elves are able to. They can change into a Mrs. Claus. They change can... into a Mrs. Claus, to a Mrs. Elf. Uh, I was not prepared for the sexual dimorphism of elves. I mean, you think about how like dwarves. Really I don't want to think about it. And the, the lady dwarves have beards. Some of those may have been, you know, might be like hyenas, where no, like I, the I didn't ones have with a the... chance to count the dicks. It could have been some of those could have been bearded. You go old back women. and you count every one, all one hundred ninety-eight old man penis. Listen, hyena, <laughs> female like... hyena, hyenas have bigger dicks than males do, so it's true. Elves, look at Are they like hyenas? That is true. That's an animal fact. So... Yeah, they laugh. <laughs> That's a rock fact. Um, so <laughs> do we do we recommend that people see this film? Yeah, this film is fun. I love I like this movie a lot. It was fun and silly, and you know, it's definitely not one of my favorites. But it's only an hour twenty, and it's got some real interesting ideas. Yeah, I yeah. was I was gonna say we didn't mention it, but this movie is a lean eighty minutes. Uh, yeah, um, so it. <laughs> It goes by quick. I love this movie. I don't know how many times I've seen it. Uh, I hadn't watched it in a few years until I rewatched it for this uh, show, but it, I was really uh, glad to do it. I, I like it a lot. And like I always, if I am bad mouthing something that you really enjoy, I'm just a fucking guy. And like, who gives a shit what I say? I'm just <laughs> I mean, doing a. I'm just doing a. I'm just spouting shit. Don't listen to what I say if you disagree. Also, don't worry about it. Also, notably for for valid cultural reasons. Not uh, not big into Christmas. Yeah, also that. There's also, yeah. there's also just like this whole Christmas element that I'm just like, cool, fucking this goddamn thing again. Yeah. Like every Christmas movie is just starting out like at least two to three points like behind the curve and has to then overcome that for me. Yeah, on that note, we will be talking about the Golem next week. So, uh, oh, nice. If, nice. Yeah, yeah. If, if you are looking for some, uh, your your fair share of uh, Jewish mysticism in the holiday season, then you know we will we'll have some of that uh, to lighten up this Santa heavy content. 
<laughs> a horror movie with good Jewish themes. We only had to dig slightly less deep than they did to find Santa in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say I, I also I'm recommend it. I think one. it's fun. Uh, like you said, at 82 minutes, like it, I almost, this is the rare horror movie that I've finished. And I was like, I wish that was longer. Like, because yeah. as, as Ben said, there's so much like material in the early part of it that feels like it's leading to payoffs later on that they don't, really get to pay off the rules the things like that um that you know would have been fun i kind of would have liked to see the santa like because we don't yeah. really see it we just see a block of ice yeah. with giant horns coming out um and, and I, I love a good monster show me payoff, the santa and... <laughs> show me the santa but yeah I, I really enjoy it and i feel like uh it's a movie with a lot of potential um yeah, all i know is miracle on 34th street would have gone way different if that those fucking courtroom doors opened up and goddamn goat monster just barrels through <laughs> <laughs> but also um richard attenborough same him and john hammond jurassic park all they all fits together always sunny speaking of all all fitting together Benito, what is a movie that you would recommend for people who enjoyed this movie? What should they go check out next? Oh, man. Um, let's see. Other Christmas horror movies. Um, a lot of people probably know about at least uh, the 2015 Krampus movie, which is pretty good. A terrible representation of the actual mythology, but a pretty good, fun movie. I would recommend deeper cuts like uh, Dial Code Santa Claus, um, which is a French movie that came out before Home Alone and manages to be a weirder, more European version of Home Alone where a psychotic man dressed as Santa Claus tries to kill this super genius kid with really impressive mullet. Uh, and then uh, Christmas Evil also uh, is another uh, crazy Santa movie um, with a person dressed as Santa. Um, that one's really interesting. I think it is famously John Waters' favorite Christmas movie. Um, of course it is it's it's got a really it's got a really uh grimy 70s um i i would definitely recommend any of those if if you're in if you're vibing on evil violence yeah awesome yeah we will we'll be talking about some more uh scary christmas movies in the coming weeks so um you know we i might have recommended better watch out but we will be talking about that in the next couple of weeks that's a Um, that's a great movie that one's great yeah um for, for me, the one I was going to uh, recommend is one I just saw this last week, uh, finishing up my my horror movies. I saw The Lodge, which is yeah. not, uh, is a movie that happens on and around Christmas. Um, but I, I said after watching it that I was just going to start referring to it as fuck around and find out the movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> because it, it, is, uh, it is a movie about like uh you know these this family going on vacation and uh you know this the the mom has recently at the beginning of the movie commits suicide because the dad is getting ready to marry his you know new girlfriend and uh this is you know the dynamic of the two kids who hate the new girlfriend the new girlfriend who grew up in a abuse like an abusive cult where everybody she knows uh committed suicide and the dad going to this uh, lodge together and then the dad has to go do business stuff. So leaves and takes the only means of transportation with him and just leaves, you know, the two kids that, uh, that hate the stepmom and the traumatized stepmom uh, together in a lodge over <laughs> several days. And uh, 
it it just gets worse from there i was like whatever happens to at that point in the movie where he like left with the only jeep i was like whatever happens to this man uh he has earned it (laughs) (laughs) yeah um the lot i love that movie that was probably probably my favorite horror movie of 2019 um it's the same uh directors as uh good night mommy if anyone's seen that and it's a similar level of like dark and bleak and so if you if you don't want a bleak horror movie don't check oh, this one out very but bleak if, if you can if you can deal with like if you can deal with like heavy a heavy atmosphere like it's super good yeah it's hereditary opinion. levels of bummer like, oh shit sure. oh oh for sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's just the way that the end happens was like enough that like i didn't feel as bummed out as i did coming away from hereditary uh just because like it is a movie where people do bad things and then bad things happen to them um yeah and you know that was that's that's a little better than hereditary where uh just awful things happen to normal people and they keep happening and they keep happening yeah for no Um, good reason yeah but uh yeah, uh, the lodge is definitely worth checking out, and it's on like Hulu right now, as well as a lot yeah, of other I think places. Yeah, I think it's on Hulu. Yeah. Pretty easily accessible. Uh, Emily, what have you got? Um, well, if you're speaking of bleak, uh, if you're interested in so yeah, woo, um, it's some the some more kind of Scandinavian horror. There's this fantastic movie called Troll Hunter that is. Uh, it's basically what if the Blair Witch Project was about trolls and it's this this group of college students that are out like doing a little video about trolls or you know about I, I don't know if it even starts about trolls but then they they encounter this dude who is a troll hunter um, and it is fantastic um, it's kind of like this found footage thing so um, and he, this guy's like wearing his great cable knit sweater and he's like um eating blintzes in a little uh swedish like ihop equivalent and he's like oh yeah they will they will fuck you up and then there's some actual real gore and horror you know people get in getting got um by horrible monsters in this movie uh so and it gets to this like shadow of the colossus level of awesome at a certain point um so we discovered cable knit sweaters are a big thing in horror movies that I, i had not realized until recently well, when you have winter, it's, and, and also, I mean, in the early nineties, eighties and, or Norway, Sweden, et cetera. I mean, you know, we had Friday the 13th uh, and we had the uh, Chris Sarandon's cable knit sweater in Child's Play. And yeah. then, uh, I mean, Knives Out isn't really a horror movie, but, you know, again, famous, famous murders and cable knit sweaters. Um, I think it's just the stuff. best the best item of clothing that you can have that's what i'm trying to say but anyway um uh there's a couple other movies about santa claus that are not necessarily horror movies but they all they also can get like weirdly psychedelic and there's klaus which is an animated movie that is a little bit scary very beautiful very beautiful film um and there's another one this is klaus with a k and there's another one called Claws with a C that I watched when I was little and I remember it like a fever dream. Um, and it was a very like 80s. So that's all I can remember that movie. But I think that it, the fact that I remember it as fever dream is pretty good. There's like magical um, glowing candy canes 
that like spark is weird um and last but not least there is a youtube series that if you're interested in the um traditions of sweden i highly recommend it it's called regular ordinary swedish mealtime it is a parody of epic mealtime but it's a bunch of swedish guys yelling and making food and it is fantastic um i don't know if they're still making videos they do have a christmas one they have one that's all about reindeer meat where you, you don't throw it but you throw everything else um basically if you want to know what sweden is like that's sounds like fun uh ben what have you got so i am going to recommend uh one of uh, progressively horrified favorites and recommend uh, zombie Christmas musical and in the and in the apocalypse. Yes. And then if you go uh, watch it, and then go see our and then go listen to our episode on it, and then view and then listen to our uh, interview with the screenwriter and uh, one of the star actors slash choreographers slash choreographer. Things I highly recommend uh, in the apocalypse is great. Uh, well, that wraps us up for now. I uh, want to let people know where we can find you online. Benito, where can people find you online? Um, well, you can find me uh, find me on uh, Twitter at Benito underscore Serino. And from there, I've got a link tree in my profile that you can follow and find uh, all my comics, uh, all the articles I write for grunge.com. You can find all the links for my podcast, Apocrypal Pals, which I do with Chris Sims from War Rocket Ajax. Uh, where we read through the Bible and Bible adjacent material um, and explain it. Um, and you can also find a link most relevant to this episode to my YouTube channel, where I have a multi-part video series called The Magic and Legends of Old Christmas, where I go through the kind of stuff that we kind of talked about, like uh, like the Ulupuki, but also uh, the origins of Krampus, the development of Santa Claus, uh, weird uh, traditions, um, like uh, the uh, the Barborki, which was a weird, uh, that's a weird thing from St. Barbara's Day that there was a viral image of that people were calling a plague nurse on Twitter a while back. Um, the Schnabel pair, all sorts of weird things. That's uh, Piet. Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, yeah, all that stuff. It's, it's, yeah, it's like a 12, it's like a 12 part series. Um, you can find on my YouTube. You can youtube.com slash Benito Serino 3. The- um, and you can check that out there. I have it set up as a playlist. Awesome. And you uh, you mentioned you just started your podcast with uh, Matt as well, uh, Friends yeah. to the End, which uh, people people who listen to this podcast will have heard Matt on our episode about uh, Drag Me to Hell, which we did a couple of months back. Um, and that is all about the new uh, Chucky series, right? Yeah. For, uh, Friends to the End uh, just launched. It's me and Matt and Erica Henderson. Um, nice. doing kind of recap and discussion of the of the new Chucky series on sci-fi. Nice. Yeah, we love Erica as well. So it's, uh, we'll have to check that one out too. Uh, Emily, where can people find you online? Uh, just look for the Megamoth, um, megamoth.net, um, at on Twitter, Megamoth uh, on Patreon, and manga under, mega underscore moth on Instagram. I do art. And uh, Ben, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Ben the Con, uh, BenConComics.com. Uh, to my work, uh, physical and digital, all my comics are currently on Comixology. Uh, Renegade Rule uh, from Dark Horse Comics out in stores now. And be on the lookout. Uh, 
Immortals Phoenix Rising from Great Beginnings, the continuation of the story from the video game, uh, is out in stores. Awesome. As for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jrome58. It's J-R-O-M-E-5-8. My website is jeremywhitley.com. And of course, there are plenty of uh, comics available to order and pre-order if you like. I finally got the uh, trade collection of last year's uh, Marvel's action uh, chillers, which was uh, a lot of fun to do. A lot of scary Marvel stuff for people who are into uh, that. And um, we've got the next volume of School for Extraterrestrial Girls available for pre-order now. Uh, It'll be out in the next few months. Um, As for the podcast, uh, Progressively Horrified is on Patreon at patreon.com slash progressively horrified. If you give even $5 a month, you get your episodes a week early and you also get access to our exclusive Patreon-only episodes and content. Uh, And you can come find us and argue with us on Twitter about uh, any scary movies you like. It's at Prague Horror Pod. Uh, you can come tell us all about uh, what we're wrong about, what we're right about, and uh, point out our factual omissions there. <laughs> Please. We, we love it when you do that. Uh, and then uh, our website is progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm where you can check out all the show notes and you can uh, get all the links to stuff our, our guests and us are doing. Uh, we would love it if you would subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening to this. Uh, and as to that, thank you for joining us. And thank you so much to Benito for joining us today. It was a ball. Thank yes, you for having you. me. This is yeah. a fantastic film. Thank you so much. Fantastic for, wreck. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on and uh, introducing us to this film. Yeah, this is the first of our, our holiday horror host here. So we'll have a, a few more coming. As we mentioned, the the Golem we're doing next week. Um, and that'll be a lot of fun. And then we've got, you know, uh, tons of others. We got uh, Better Not, or Better, better Watch Out. Uh, we've got Gremlins, we've got uh, Nightmare Before Christmas all coming up. So uh, be sure if you enjoy scary movies about Christmas that you tune in. Uh, and until next time, stay horrified. Progressively Horrified was created and produced by Jeremy Whitley. This episode featured Jeremy Whitley, Ben Kahn, Emily Martin, and Benito Serino. All, uh, all opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and not intended to represent the intent or opinion of the filmmakers, nor do they represent any of the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06 and is provided royalty-free from Pixabay. Support us on Patreon or contact us on Twitter at Prague Horror Pod or by email at progressivelyhorrified at gmail.com.